0: the Masculine Journey starts here now. Wow, it's Father's Day weekend here on the Masculine Journey, and as you can imagine, that's a really important topic here for us. And we have a really uh, just a huge treat for you today. Uh, we're going to talk about a father's response to sin, or sin in his family, and you know, here to help us out, we have an, a, a, a tremendous guest in this area. A uh, real sinner himself.
1: <laughs> chief, chief among them. Uh, but Sam's not in the studio today. <laughs> That's right.
0: That My dear friend Darren Coon and one of the founders of this radio show, undoubtedly. Uh, Darren, it's so great to have you with us. And, and this, sup- this subject is really near and dear to every father's heart because, you know, wow, it's a place where we can find ourselves as a, one of the tools of Satan.
1: Yeah. um, It's funny. You and I were having a conversation the other day um, over, uh, I think you were eating oatmeal and I was eating pancakes and fat bacon and butter, extra butter, I think, if I'm not mistaken, and some carbohydrate filled potatoes and things like that while you were eating your senior citizens oatmeal. (laughs) Um, And uh, one of the questions that you asked me was, Um, kind of, uh, you know, how am I treating my own heart right now while I was going through some other stuff that I was telling you about? And uh, that was the furthest thing from my mind at the time, but it kind of got me thinking uh, about this and, and trying to look at it from my father's perspective, my heavenly father's perspective. And he just took me back to, well, so how are you treating your children's hearts right now? And, so it kind of began this, this topic um, for me, and uh, um, I, you know, I've talked on the radio before about my own struggle with addiction, with sexual addiction, and, and trying to overcome that. Um, have also, you know, we've all, everybody in this room has, through boot camps and different things that we've been associated with, church and different ministries, been associated with men and women who also are struggling with some sort of an addiction, whether that's alcohol or drugs or sexual addiction or uh, spending addiction or depression addiction, uh, adrenaline addiction. I mean, there's a thousand things to be addicted to. But uh, as I began thinking about that, um, I was thinking about some conversations that I've had with some people here lately. One of those conversations with, was with one of my children. When they said, well, I know you're going to want this from me, Dad, or you're going to want me to do this, or you're going to think that I should do that. And it was, it was kind of a very dogmatic type of statement. And the thought hit me that, well, no, that, that's not true at all. I mean, it, that's the furthest thing from my heart. But how did I treat your heart all your life so that you now believe that, even though I've not treated you that way in several years? And so I found myself saying to my children, you you've got me mixed up with somebody else and trying to backtrack often and say, "You know what? Um, no, this is what I want for you. I want your wholeness. I, I want your happiness. I want your your life to be abundant in Christ and your relationships to be f- awesome with with your kids and with your, Uh, mate, and with me, and your mom, and and other people, this is what I want for you. How we get there, man, that's really in your ballpark. You get to choose that, and I'm not qualified, nor do I even want to really choose that for you, and it kind of surprised me that perhaps God is saying the same thing to me often. Wait, Darren, I, I think maybe you've got me confused with somebody else.
0: Well, speaking of being confused with somebody else, we have Robert De Niro here in the Meet the Parents film, (laughs) where this, you know, as we grow in the grace and understanding of what it means to have grace with our families, some of us may have started out a little bit like Robert De Niro, trying to to load on the shame and guilt, as he was doing with his future son-in-law here in Meet the Parents.
2: Looking for something, Greg? Oh scared me. Well, I heard a noise, so I came down to see if everything was okay. Everything's fine. I just, I'm sorry. I I saw a light on in here, and I kind of stumbled in, and I didn't realize... Well, that's okay. See anything interesting? No, not at all. I mean, I mean, I mean, this is great, though. I love this, what you... It's a cozy little nook. I noticed you were looking at that when I came in. Yeah. It's an antique polygraph machine. Is that what that is? Because I've seen these before, but... I never saw one actually up close. You know what, why don't you try that on? Oh, that's okay. Oh, come on, we'll have some fun. I'll show you how it works. Yeah, I just, I, I, I shouldn't. Well, why should you be afraid? You have nothing to hide. <laughs> no, I know, I know you know, so there shouldn't be any problem. No, there's no problem. So, try it on. Don't worry, you'll enjoy this. <clears throat> All right. Looks complicated. Now, these aren't 100% accurate, right? They're... Well, you'd be surprised how accurate they are. They can tell fairly easily if someone's lying or not. Now I'm going to ask you some questions, and all you have to do is answer yes or no. Okay? All right. Let's give it a whirl. Did you fly on an airplane today? Yes, I did. No peeking. Did we eat pot roast for dinner tonight? yes was it undercooked no it was rare it was a little rare (laughs) for my taste but i i'm just kidding i'm just (laughs) (laughs) relax relax the needles are jumping (laughs) have you ever watched pornographic videos (laughs)
0: <laughs> Sam, what what are you hearing when you hear that clip?
2: Well, obviously you got a guy that's wanting to get to the facts in his 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 mind. You know, it's a father, future father-in-law, and he's wanting to get to know this this um, future son-in-law. But the way he's going about getting information puts him in a very shaming place. You know, it, it forces him to have to answer to something in a way that that um, is going to just, again, put him in that place of shame. You know, Robbie, one of the things, you know, this addiction topic isn't a laughing matter. We're not laughing at the topic, but, you know, sometimes it is almost laughable the way we handle others' hearts. It's just so sad. It's like, really, how do we not see that?
1: Yeah, that's, and Sam, that was kind of the way I was feeling, um recently in in a conversation that I was having with somebody because, you know, they were talking about their own guilt over, you know, their addiction. And um, as I talked to them more and more, I began to figure out that that guilt was was a very old thing. I mean, the sin of becoming addicted is an old sin. And people out there may disagree with me. Um, but if you do, go ahead and quit smoking or drinking coffee or eating sugar or salt or breathing, perhaps. Um, The point is that we all have something in our life that we started and made it a habitual thing and probably don't feel that great about it now. And so we can either sit continually in condemnation about that or we can begin to ask God to help us change that. And so if you have a, a, an alcoholic or a heroin addict who um, realizes the, the sin that they have fallen into but are now trying their hardest to get out of that and they finally figured out you know what my hardest doesn't help my my hardest isn't isn't enough and so what i need is i need something more and that more when they finally figure out that it's that it's jesus and it's his grace and that's kind of where this you know whole idea came to me was that ultimately it's it's all it's all grace it's all reliant on grace and that if If we stay in the in the shame, if we stay in the false guilt um, or in the real guilt, because there's plenty of real guilt to go around for all of us, there's plenty of real shame to go around for all of us. And so if we stay in that versus um, beginning to try to figure out how do I start depending on grace and as a family member of an addict, as a father with your kids, when they are caught up in something whether it's just you know a lie about the the C they got on a report card versus an A that you wanted them to get, or if it's something much greater, um, how do you begin to handle their heart with grace? Because handling their heart with anything else is not helpful. Um, and most of the things that we tend to use as human beings actually drive us into more shame and more pain and more addiction and more guilt
3: it's also true that where we are the most judgmental (laughs) is often where we have the most struggle ourselves i mean i'm born and raised a liar and i cannot stand when somebody lies to me and i still do because i want to be loved and i'll tell you what i think you want to hear rather than giving you the real truth
2: Mm-hmm. But I don't know if yeah. I feel good about that, Jim. You tell me you like me. <laughs> I do. I do like you, Sam. But <laughs> well, Darren, do you, okay, I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: This idea. Hey, Robbie, Go, ahead. Real quick. Go ahead, Sam.
2: One of the things as Darren was talking, you know, without that grace, that sin becomes our identity. <laughs> you know, we we take on that mantra of I'm this is who I am. I'm a liar. I'm an addict. I'm a this. Right, and that's no. That's not true either. Because
0: Christ came for that, mm-hmm. it, and so it's a challenge to to find that hard. But you, I like you had this angle on Satan being a lawgiver.
1: Yeah, and we'll have to get to that in the on the other side of the break. But we think about Satan as being the great law breaker But think in the break about Satan being the great law maker and that may cause all kinds of scary, but we'll talk about it here in a minute.
0: We will. Remember, we got a boot camp coming up, advanced boot camp coming up. If you've been to a couple boot camps, go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org and get registered other boot camp coming up in November.
2: Hi, this is Sam with Masculine Journey. I'm here with my son Eli. We're going to talk about ways that you can help support the ministry. One way you can go to smile.amazon.com There's information on our website there on how to do that. Then you can go to Facebook.com where you can click the donate button. Or you can go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Once again, look for the donate button. Or if you want to mail something in, mail it to PO Box 550, Kernersville, North Carolina, 27285. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse.
0: It's a Masculine Journey Boot Camp BOGO. Buy one, give one free. $199. What an amazing thing that would be
2: to give somebody a gift. And what they really end up getting is their heart back. Listen to what it did for Andy. The
3: Masculine Journey boot camp experience showed me that I could truly hear from God and that I could experience Him on a daily basis.
0: Coming this fall, November 1st through the 4th, go to MasculineJourneyRadio.org and register today.
2: Does anybody hear her? Can anybody see? Or does anybody today under the shadow of our steeple with all the lost and lonely people searching for the hope that's tucked away in you and me
0: it's a father's Resilient day masculine Body. journey radio show today and we've got our special guest darren Kuhn with us talking about a father's response to sin and when we right before we were going to the break Darren was talking about this idea of Satan being a law, not just a breaker, but a lawmaker. So I'll let you take it up on that. Darren.
1: Well, it, it hit me the other day because I was having a conversation with somebody that was really struggling with um, a behavior that uh, for the first time in my life, I saw that behavior as perfectly acceptable. Um, and it was legal. Um, it was Uh, helpful to that person Um, and uh, and it was needed Um, and so but they were really apprehensive about choosing that and so I was asking well why why wouldn't you why wouldn't you go to the doctor and ask him for for this medicine to help you with this problem well, because I got the problem because I sinned. I, I got the problem because I started doing drugs when I was very young. And that's wrong. It's sinful. You're, you're right. That was wrong. It was sinful. Are you still doing that? Well, now I'm trying not to. And how are you trying not to? Well, sometimes I need the doctor to help me by giving me a legal prescription for some medication that keeps me from ending up. In, in that situation where I might need something and might be too tempted and go out on the street to get something. And I found myself saying, well, then go to the doctor. I mean, that's a simple, uh, you know, it's not hard for me. It's not me, but it's not hard for me being objective because it wasn't me dealing with it. But then I tried to put myself in that situation. What if it was me? And I could feel that shame. I could feel that condemnation. And and I, so I started asking them questions. Well, so why is it wrong for you to do that? Well, because it's against the law. Okay. Well, who made the law? What do you mean, who made the law? Well, who made that law that says using that particular chemical is, is wrong? Well, the government. Okay. So who's the government? Us. Okay. So we made that law. So, what you're telling me is God didn't make that law, but man did make that law. And so now we're breaking, we broke a law, and and we admit it. That was a sin. But now God has figured out a way through medical clinics and everything else through legal means to help you with that situation and the condemnation of having broken the law that God didn't set, but man did. Well, God said you shouldn't get drunk. You're right. God did say that. And so, but all of those things were leading me to the point with this person that, look, the Holy Spirit is working in your life right now. The Holy Spirit is convicting you right now you're for the first time since I've known you um, really reaching out and, and clawing with everything you've got after God for the help. And so why keep wearing that condemnation? And it is what Sam was talking about just before the break that we start wearing our sin as the identity.
3: Yeah. Uh, well, as you were talking, I was just thinking about that. W- what What we get to when we're in that position, I think when I've been dealing with a particular um, addiction or sin, is we become laser-focused like it was the bullseye of our life is around that sin, and that's all we focus on. And we can't see outside to see grace or anything else. We're Mm -hmm. so focused on that target, that target of sin.
0: And and actually, when you were listening to the clip earlier and Meet the Parents, what I heard was a great performance on both people's parts, Mm -hmm. right? The the stepfather was trying to make a performance to try to get to his end. And of course the son-in-law had a performance going on and the word performance, I never even put it together, but think about it that you're trying to perform in order to get something. And this next clip that I'm going to play has John Lynch and, and Dan Allender really think about the word performance. I feel
2: this sense that something is uniquely wrong with me. So uh, I'm never telling anyone, but it feels like everybody knows. It feels like some something on my face that everybody can see it, that if you get close enough to me, it makes me awkward in crowds, it makes me insecure, it makes me perform. i become a great performer. I so much want you to love me. And I think if I'm funny enough or talented enough, cool enough, witty enough, do funny things in a crowd that you'll think I'm worth knowing and loving. But I don't believe it. I always felt that God was mildly disgusted with me.
3: Hearing that he loves me didn't really resonate because it's like when it's all said and done, he's still going to judge me. You know, when it's all said and done, he's still not happy with where I am or who I am. And so I don't feel close to him. I don't feel intimate with him. I don't even feel the freedom to speak to him because he's over there and I'm over here. I think shame fundamentally is that inner judgment that there is something ugly, distorted, and broken about us that if someone were to see They could not bear being in relationship with us, and we could not bear being in relationship with them.
2: Shame is that thing that drives my compulsive behavior. In whatever manner, I'm never going to be enough, so I have permission. I have entitlement to do wrong.
3: was also moved by what was being said right before the break but it feeds into this it's the perception of ourselves that is wrong and mine what I was thinking about before the break was and I'll just say his relationship with my son who's with us this weekend and he went through a, a rough time he was sinning he was hiding it lying about it and that hurt, but I love him so much. And I'd had similar problems earlier. I could have talked to him about it. And I tried, but the wall was up because he didn't want daddy seeing him as a human being or as a was, beloved son. And if I can, in my, I mean, it doesn't change my love for him. I felt more close to him when I was being distanced than I did at any other time. And if I can do that as a human father, how much more is God that come to me in your pain?
1: You said before the beginning of the show, Jim, that you believed that one of the reasons he didn't was because he was expecting condemnation from you. Exactly. Because he had learned that from your earlier parenting style. I was a rough dad. Yeah, well, you know, not everybody can be like me. um, thank god uh, no i mean i'm constantly telling my kids you guys have got me mixed up with somebody else and they're like no you have a bad memory dad um and so but this this whole thing about the i loved what john lynch said there that that shame will drive my compulsive behavior and maybe you're listening right now and you're saying i don't i'm not an addict i don't have any addictions i'll bet you you got a compulsive behavior uh, and and maybe it's betting people they have compulsive behaviors, but I'll bet you you got one. Um, and and that, in essence, is is what an addiction is, is a compulsive behavior. But, you know, we we teach our kids from the very, very beginning by threatening consequences or positive consequences. I mean, we, we threaten negative or positive consequences. The carrot does
0: the same thing as the stick.
1: Yeah, right. And so, you know, we put the... A positive M&M out there for, you know, potty training. And and then we we put the, well, you know, you're not going to get whatever if you don't get the right grades on your report card. And so we constantly train our own selves and we train those in relationship with us that negative consequences should be the motivating factor for doing good. This is what we do in our society we have laws why do you behave so you don't go to prison we we tell our kids when they're driving you used to be a policeman jim and so when we're driving down the road and and you're passing a policeman in the car we tell our kids set up straight make sure your seatbelt's on we're passing the policeman well, what's that got to do with anything
3: yeah the behavior changes based on who's observing you right all of us and i try very hard not to unless I'm going 20 over, react <laughs> when I see a police car. A Christian car Which I car do sometimes. Some I have so
1: many friends that are policemen now, I feel bad about you know, my driving habits often, and I, I usually apologize to Most them when I see them. The,
3: when I had to go explain why I should be allowed to keep my license once in my past, the guy that interviewed me asked, well, are you an ex-policeman or are you a clergyman? and I just broke out laughing because at that time I was both. So <laughs> that's apparently the ones that speed the most. Sam at
0: the end of that clip there's a line there that just is haunting where he you know he pretty much says that you know now that I've fallen I might as well go ahead and just keep sinning. That's it's yeah. strong stuff.
2: It is. You know, I think that you know what happens is when you see people binge You know, they'll go on a bender or whatever you might want to call it. But, you know, if you're already there, what's it really matter at that point? If I really see myself as an addict, does it really matter if I continue to do what I'm doing because that's who I am? You know, and that's what I'm believing that I am, you know, which is not true. And so it keeps you stuck in that perpetual place until it either gets so bad you can't take it anymore or something breaks and breaks that cycle. And, you know, that's a dangerous belief.
0: And Darren, Galatians 5 has got stuff here. Unpack a little of that for us.
1: Well, I mean, Galatians five one is, is kind of what got me started on this, that it, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's such a simple statement that I think most of my life I read right over it because it was the first verse, and everybody knows that, you know, the first verse is just introduction, right? <laughs> but not in this case. Um, freedom... Is what Christ set us free for and so he wants us to live in that freedom and yet we find a thousand ways to keep making laws to imprison ourselves God does talk about consequences all throughout scripture so I'm not saying that consequences that we can't talk about or we shouldn't talk about them I don't want you to hear that however Titus 2:11 says that the grace of God has now appeared and that's what teaches us to say no to ungodliness Wow, we're going to, have to take up more of this on the Masculine Journey. Go to
0: MasculineJourneyRadio.org. Register for one of the boot camps. We really go deep into all this. We'd love to see you there coming up November 1st through the 4th.